Alrighty, friends, we're back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 649. And we are recording on December the 12th. How are you, Abrian? What's going on? I am hanging in there, you know? It's like crazy busy crunch before the holidays. We've got um, lighting of the menorah tonight with friends for, I think it's the seventh night of Hanukkah. Um and my house is in disarray. We've been like doing painting work. So this is like the one safe angle at this point. <laughs> Everything's covered in plastic and dust. Uh, renovations trying to get the last minute things finished before holiday guests arrive. And yeah, I mean, Christmas is in full swing up here. Um, you know, all the magic of the city, but all positive things. Feeling grateful. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, same thing. It's just like the mad crunch to, you know, jam meetings and before everybody takes off. So it's just like stack back to back to back every day. Um, so there's that. But yeah, Christmas is kind of there. It's on the horizon. Um, I'm actually going to be uh, in New York uh, next weekend. So um, we'll take in a little bit of New York Christmas, I guess. Yeah. Just check that out. And then, uh, yeah. And then other than that, I'm watching baseball free agency, which we were just talking about and how frustrated I am with Shohei Otani and Blue Jays. Oh, sad. Yes. I had that prediction a while ago. Well, we kind of knew that, but like it for like a second there for the day before that announcement, it was every, every sports writer, every person on the planet that matters was like, he's, he's going to Toronto. I know. I feel like it's kind. Of, it was kind of like Freddie Freeman, but like even more. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. Uh, well, no. that's okay. Anyways, we've got a good show for you. Four stories that we wanted to walk you through uh, this week, as per usual. So I'll let Abrana kick us off. Yeah, none baseball related, but lots of AI, as usual, it seems, has mm-hmm. been the trend lately, and we're starting with Yahoo. And Yahoo's DSP has announced two new feature updates, and one is focused around AI, and another is around um, a blend of first-party data. So they've released something called Blueprint. So this is the feature for their DSP that offers mid-flight optimization. Um, So it's offering these recommendations to clients on their campaigns to help them meet their specific and outlined business goals. So they can determine, for example, a person's lifetime value, likelihood to convert. Um, and this is relying on their first party behavioral data that they're pulling from Yahoo's owned and operated sites, as well as purchase and location data that's collected from logged in Yahoo users with their email addresses. Um, and if you're not aware, back in February, Yahoo shut down its SSP because They're more focused on campaign performance, and it seems like programmatic is kind of being the way of the future here, right? And so they have focused more on these like direct-to-publisher buying solutions versus kind of, um, you know, more of that back-end strategy previously. So they're optimizing um, across multiple campaigns within a single dashboard. Now, what they're saying is through some of this testing, it's freed up up to an hour a day for some of their agency and client partnerships, you know, hands-on keyboard users being able to spend more time doing other things, um, which obviously is really important. 
And, um, you know, to me, this sounds like very familiar to the smart outcomes work that we did at Samsung ads earlier this year. Um, and even last year announcing where we had several different KPIs. So it's very performance driven, obviously leading with CTV, but you know, it seems like performance, whether that's brand awareness is performance or lower funnel conversion, engagement with a brand, you know, purchase, footfall traffic, all of these different conversion metrics really seem to be the way of the future um, for all of digital advertising, I would say. Um, and potentially even just out of home advertising, anything that you can come up with a measurable solution for. So that's the first feature. And that's going to be available to all Yahoo DSP clients within that existing dashboard. And then they're going to be having more like audience insights, forecasting tools, predictive audience modeling, customer lifetime value features. Um, and they plan to announce more updates next summer. The other side of this, the data side, right, is that they are emphasizing the data set in the pitch for Blueprint because obviously we know with like the coquilas future, marketers are placing a higher value on that first party data and partners with first party data pools such as Yahoo. So first party data collected with user consent also bypasses all of those privacy and legislation concerns. Um, it also does still draw from third party data. So important to note that and it gives equal weight to both data sets within its algorithm and how it makes decision decisions. Um, so I think that's like important to note because I do think that first party data is very important. And I think that it's a huge benefit and the unique selling proposition, but there's a lot of times that you're really going to need to bring in third party data sets to give you a more well-rounded view of a consumer and their lifestyle, life, you know, what purchase behavior, all of those different things and how they interact in different um, areas. So um, some examples they gave is rather than relying on sales data from just retailers alone, they can pull data from digital receipts sent to Yahoo email accounts. Now that kind of like blows my mind that somebody could scan my personal emails too. And it is anonymized and they're creating lookalike audiences, but that kind of gave me pause when I read that. So that was interesting. Um, so the, the email-based data is very appealing, obviously, to support different campaigns for brands like CPG. So think of a Coca-Cola. Um, it's really difficult to understand like your receipts in terms of a CPG skew. When you go to Kroger, all I know is you purchase something from Kroger, but if I can actually see on your digital receipt that you purchased Coca-Cola, that opens up a lot more data and understanding for me as a CPG brand. Um, they're also working with location data providers, LifeSite and Cubic. So that's giving like those recommended targetable audiences for people who are in certain areas. We know this, been doing it for a while, <laughs> pretty run of the mill. Um, and then the AI driven optimization tools are going to be used for useful for like transparency. So understanding where things are going. Um, and they're saying that they give a little bit more of an edge when it comes to transparency when compared to like Google's performance Mac or Meta's Advantage Plus. Um, so anyways, I think that there's some some interesting things that are here. They're giving uh, advertisers the opportunity to opt into these features and campaign adjustments. So kind of just making them aware, bringing a level of awareness of their options and things that may lead to better performance. 
Um, I think this is like starting to be table stakes right now. If you have a DSP, you've got to have some level of like optimization, performance models, AI, it needs to be baked into there. And I think the more robust the data offerings are, um, likely the more well-rounded and better uh, performing those models are going to be. Um, so yeah, I think this is good. I, I, again, I feel like this is like, you have to be able to do this in order to compete today as a DSP. Um, and so Yahoo's still, still at it, you know, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, you know, I don't have a ton to add to this story. I think you covered it so well. Um, you know, I think I, I'll say this, um, when I, when I first read this story, I was like, wow, Yahoo's still at it. That was my initial reaction. Like, yeah, he's <laughs> still at it. And the reason I say that is because, you know, as you know, in the LVMA world, we do quite a bit of work in Japan. Yahoo is extremely active as a brand in Japan still, um, but almost disappeared here in North America from a brand point of view. Um, and so, you know, I know they're around on, from a data perspective and a, and a targeting point of view, but from a consumer point of view, they're, they're non-existent in North America. And so, yeah, that was kind of my initial reaction. Um, I'm with you table stakes when it comes to the optimization and AI pieces. I think the first party data, uh, stuff is super interesting. Um, you know, if they are in fact scanning emails and looking at receipts and all those kinds of things, I think that's fascinating to see that that's part of you know what they're incorporating here i think the other thing that's interesting is that in this blueprint uh offering that they're saying that the first party and third party data is equally weighted um so it's not you know we're relying more on our own first party data than you know the the stuff we're buying or licensing or pulling from you know our bsdks and, and things like that um so i think that's interesting as well and um yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Like, it's there's a lot of players in this space right now, and uh, you know, I think there's uh, going to be some consolidation uh, in the DSP market in short order. That might be a, you know, something that we can talk about on the prediction show. I think so. It sounds like a great topic. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next story now. So um, this one is, uh, you know, kind of more informational than anything, but Qualcomm, um, who we all know, the, the chip manufacturer, has teamed up with a company called ISRO, I think is how you say it, I-S-R-O, um, and they essentially are working um, in India together to incorporate the new uh, NAVIC um, uh satellite technology that the Indian satellites uh, that are out in space from a navigation point of view uh, into their latest uh, chipset. And so, um, you know, I think this is, you know, from an, uh, a market perspective, from an Indian market point of view, um, all about, you know, having access to the latest satellite information, having that tied into the chipsets in the phones that you're carrying, especially Android uh phones um you know that are you know very very big in in that market um and being able to just have improved accuracy on you know location services and mapping and navigation and everything in that region um so you know again nothing super innovative here but great to see that you know uh, qualcomm continues to just say hey like you know we're going to support 
you know, the latest uh, GPS and satellite, um, you know, capabilities that are out there. We're going to integrate, you know, those into the chipset platforms that we're working on uh, and that, that we're selling and making available. And ultimately, from a consumer point of view, this just means, you know, improve accuracy uh, around all of the apps and services and the SDKs and everything that, you know, are being deployed and operated within that that market. So I think this is a very positive thing for, you know, if you're in India right now, you should be looking at this going uh, as a developer, as an app publisher, as a, you know, agency, as a brand. Uh, this is a positive thing in terms of just better accuracy and, and targeting. Yeah. And I, I read that um, they're going to be supporting this, the rollout of what they're calling like their L1 signals for second half of 2024. So we'll probably see more of that then. And then more commercial use cases coming in 2025. So um, early, this is like a pre-CES announcement almost, you know? Yeah, that's what it feels like. So yeah, we'll see. I'm going to be at CES this year. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll go wander over to the Qualcomm uh, booth and see what, the, what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, so. if you want to meet up with some friends and make some type of a friend group, um, Bumble... AI is now making that possible. <laughs> okay. So uh, Bumble has launched something called Bumble for Friends. And so this is making it easier for people to connect and make friends online. Um, you know, this is interesting to me. So they have these two updates they just announced last week. Um, there's these conversation starters and plans and then the Bumble for Friends. So Bumble for Friends enhances this user experience, right? Um, finding deeper connections. So you can find friends to meet up with in real life. Um, it's helping you organize things with up to 15 people. So think about a book club or concert buddies or, you know, I don't know, going to an escape room, whatever your, your jam is. But it's simplifying arranging and participating in group activities, right? So for maybe people who are new to a specific area, starting fresh, you know, like-minded individuals, finding hobbies to do together, this could be something that is a great option. Um, and I think that this is really interesting because, you know, in this age where we are more connected than we have ever been with people um, through every single device around us, we are also seeing some of the highest uh, numbers and loneliness and depression. And so I think this is a great introduction. I do find that there's been a lot of people who have relocated throughout the last four years who, um, you know, have made fresh starts or are, you know, looking for new journeys and, and trying new things. And so I like this idea because it definitely opens up the user experience for Bumble outside of people who are potentially just looking for um, companionship in more of a romantic sense, right, to more of just friendship. So I think this is really interesting. Now, the other announcement that comes from Bubble is these, um, these new, these new plans. And um, there's a couple of, of interesting things. So one is like AI powered conversation. Maybe you have a really hard time just figuring out what is the first question I should ask to somebody whose profile I have found interesting. So this is to help um, make it easier to initiate that conversation. So basically it features artificial intelligence that would 
personalize based upon, you know, an icebreaker question that's based upon the recipient's specific profile. So it would scan the profile and ask maybe more something that's attuned to what that person has listed. Um, so for me, I don't know if this is lazy or if people are really like socially inept at just asking like, hi, how are you? How's your day going? Or, you know, this is what I found interesting about you. Um, so this is like really, you're kind of presented when you're in that chat experience, you have a prompt that says, would you like help, you know, making or creating your first message and you can tap, get started. And then the AI generates that personalized icebreaker question for you. Um, and then in terms of plans, this, I also found interesting. Apparently there's some research that has been shown that depending on your generation, you know, if you're a Gen Z or, you know, perhaps more um, of a different generation, you have different preferences in how you want to pay and commit. Uh, big shocker there. But their premium plan is now offering some more expanded benefits like offline experiences. Um, but the base tier is focusing on like deeper level connections, you know, fun social ways. Um, and it's also designed like aligning preferences of Gen Z. So they're also targeting in its subscription offering young consumers by introducing a shorter term plan. So being able to pay by the week versus pay by the month. Apparently there's some industry research that says Gen Z consumers tend to seek lower commitment options. I think that's true in all things, probably relationships, work, housing, I don't know, everything. So I, I think that that is absolutely knowing your consumer and giving some flexible options to them. Um, and I, and I think that this is really extremely good work done by their go-to-market commercialization team. So kudos to the Bumble team over there that kind of figured that out and came up with that offering. Um, and again, I like the friends, you know, the AI generated icebreakers, you know, if you have to use those, you might probably need another app besides Bumble, just saying. All right. Um, yeah, I think all three of these things are interesting. I'll, I'll go in reverse. So I think the uh, the subscription plans uh, make sense to me. That's a no brainer to me. I think it's, you know, I have friends who use Bumble, uh, you know, and lots of them are, yeah, I'm on it all the time, you know, you know, several times a week or month or year or, you know, they're, they're, they're on it all the time. And then I know other people who've like, yeah, I've used it like twice in my life. Um, you know, so I, you know, having the option to like use it for a week and just pay for a week or something like that, I think makes sense in that scenario. Um, so that totally makes sense to me. I think it's super smart. It'll drive it, you know, additional revenue for them. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a great move by their team. I think the uh, conversation starter piece, I don't know. I, I'm, I kind of look at that and go, that's lazy. That's, that's very like, um, you know, everybody's doing something with AI. Let's do something with AI. That like, you know what I mean? What can we do with AI? Somebody was tasked in, in, in the company to say, everybody's doing AI right now. You know, how can we apply AI to our app? Um, and somebody said, let's do conversation starters. And you know what? I agree with you. However, I, I would almost love to say that 
my prediction is the data is going to come back and show that nearly 50% of Bumble users utilize AI conversation starters. It might be, but I still think it's like, you know, like if you're not willing to put in the time on the app to read somebody's profile and then figure out how you can relate to them and then write a message, you know, you need AI to do that for you. I don't know. I mean, maybe you shouldn't be on the app. Like it's, I, I don't know. Like, like that's just my reaction to it, but I'm old. So, you know, yeah. I'm not necessarily in the, uh, in the target audience, uh, you know, for this, um, um, nor am I single. So there's that. Um, but anyways, the, um, yeah. And then I, the, you know, the other piece in terms of the Bumble for friends, I do think that's interesting. I think that, uh, you know, if you're new to a city, if you're trying to explore and, and sort of make connections uh, in a non-romantic sense, I think there's something there. And I think that could be a great way for them to drive additional revenue and subscriptions as well. I mean, I think that, you know, because I'm old, I still use Facebook and, you know, I belong to a couple of Facebook groups um, that are based on my local neighborhood and what's going on in the neighborhood. And, you know, people are posting everything from, did you see somebody got shot the other day to, you know, see, did you check out the new store or coffee shop that just opened around the corner, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, but lots of people are on there too, posting about, Hey, you know, we're doing sailing classes, you know, this, this uh, spring, or we're doing, you know, this, and, you know, or we're hosting this club or, you know, whatever. Uh, we're looking for players for, you know, our, our softball team. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff that gets posted on, on these mark, uh, Facebook groups, I, I should say. And I think, you know, this is a different way to go about that um, in terms of people finding connections. I, I do think it's a good, a, a good move for them. So I like it. There you go. All right. Final story. So this one now, we're going to move into the art world a little bit. And Google um, has a product called the Geospatial Creator. Uh, it's uh, available in Adobe Aero. And so the Google uh, Google's Arts and Culture Group have um, partnered with something called Global Street Art. And three very uh, world-renowned artists uh, in who are based in London, Mexico City, and L.A., to basically demonstrate, um, uh, you know, how, you know, this, this Google geospatial creator platform, how powerful it is and how easy it is to use. Um, so that was kind of the, the goal of this collaboration. Um, and they, they recently won the ARVR award at the drum awards, um, for out of home. And, um, yeah, so it's very interesting, uh, essentially, you scan a QR code, uh, you download and install uh, the app um, onto your phone, and then you can create augmented reality art experiences that are location-based, um, you know, that are powered through this, this platform. And so the artists that they worked with are, um, in London, it was uh, Camille Walala, in Mexico City, Ed, Edgar Sainer, and in LA, Tristan, Tristan Eaton. Um, and so they all basically uh, created their various um, augmented reality uh, murals um, digitally in, in AR. And then, um, you know, you could be in these physically in these spaces uh, in L.A., London or Mexico City. You can scan a QR code and then you're basically 
from that QR code transported, um, you know, from that position that you're in in the physical world to this AR uh, mural uh, that appears around you, um, this this augmented art piece. So I think it's 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 fascinating. I think um, you know this idea of creating uh experiential art or, or augmented reality on the fly without writing any code or doing anything you know technical in that context i think is great um so i think this this is an extremely powerful uh platform um i might give this a try myself and see you know what can what can be done with it not that i'm an amazing artist by any means but uh would love to just see you know the ease of use of the platform and in, in generating you know an AR uh, experience from that point of view. So, yeah, I, I I think this is great. I love that they're kind of, you know, doing things in the art world uh, as well from a Google point of view. Um, and they they saw huge results with this campaign, which ran from uh, May and June of, of, of this year, earlier this year, but they just, they just got the award for this. So I like it. Yeah, I think it's a timely announcement for uh, this. Obviously, Art Basel is happening right now down in Miami um, or just wrapped. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of these like experiential art things that are going on. And so kind of announcing their award and putting that out there, I'm sure is very timely with this. Um, and I was trying to find it. It reminds me there's a, a, a two different AR companies I know that have been around for a long, a long time, um, one actually out of Canada that has more immersive experiences. So I feel like this is something that has definitely been, um, you know, it's not new. It, these immersive experiences with art and um, music and bringing culture together, I think is certainly something that's been done. But I think the ability for Google to probably take something and make it more seamless for, um, you know, an everyday user and, you know, with Google's tech stack that they can dive into and sort through and decide what to use is probably what makes this um, more exciting. But I think anything that can bring like a more experiential um, environment with with the arts is, is always amazing. So, um, you know, I like it. I'm not sure how it necessarily leads to better, uh, recognizing, uh, you know, specific artists or giving them like more credibility or leading them to be able to sell more artwork. Um, you know, those are the, the questions I always have, but in terms of, um, expanding on an artistic experience and, and the creative side and diving into that, I like them. Yeah. And I think the other thing that just popped into my head, um, is you might remember we covered, I don't know, it must have been back around South by time. Um, you know, uh, Josh Williams announced that he was relaunching Goala, uh, you know, from back in the day. Um, and so this, to me, you know, what from what I recall about the positioning of the new Goala, which is still not live yet, um, you know, had sort of an AR element to it. But it also had an element of this um, connecting with your friends, you know, um, you know, friends nearby component to it. So I wonder if, about this idea of, you know, sort of friends and shared, you know, uh, experiences um, that are location based and, you know, sort of uh, creative in that context. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe we'll hear more about that soon. I should reach out to Josh and see if we can uh, 
get some insight into that. I know you can go to the Goala site and sign up for the uh, the beta. So, yep, absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's our show for this week. Thank you for listening and watching, everybody. We appreciate it. Um, please reach out to us if you have story ideas. And if you're going to be at NRF or CES uh, in January, uh, I will certainly be at both of those. Uh, would love to connect with you in person. Um, Abriana might be around during NRF. I don't know. In New York, probably. Mostly. I'll be in, I'll be in the city. I, I'll be around. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, come find us, say hi to us, you know, um, we'd love to see you. So that's it for this week. You've been listening and watching episode number 649. We'll see you next week with another show. Have a great week, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.